folks, you don't have to think twice about seeing this movie. Because it's the title of the movie. I got it. Yeah, there it is, baby. (laughs) Welcome to Accidents Happen. Uh, how do I intro this show? (laughs) Who cares? Who knows? Who cares, baby? (laughs) Hold on, I'll one more. Welcome to Accidents Happen, the show where we talk about movies and then relate how they, how much they, (laughs) then we share how much they relate to our lives that are often embarrassing. Oof. And you, you got it. You know. Hey, okay. everybody. Hey, everybody. Welcome yeah. back to Accidents Happen, the show where we watch movies and then we take little pieces of those movies and we try and tell stories based on those little pieces. And oftentimes those stories are embarrassing and full of stinky poopy and pains filled to the brim with poop. My name is Tim Brenner, joined as always by Jameson Styles. Hello, folks. Sometimes those movies are nearly one-to-one to our lives and make us feel great shame. <laughs> this the movie we're watching today is Don't Think Twice. For, for warning, this this might be the saddest episode of Accidents Happen Yet because this show, like Jameson said, is a one-to-one of our lives. And boy, oh boy, every time I watch this movie, it just makes me feel so bad. All right, it's it's not one-to-one because I'm not 36 years old living in like a studio True. apartment in New York City, but... True. But it, it feels it feels uncomfortably close. Yeah. Yeah. It the fact that you can relate to more than one of these characters is not a good sign. <laughs> yeah. So like the saddest BuzzFeed quiz. <laughs> do you do college improv? Answer yes, and we'll tell you which don't think twice character you are. So, Jameson, as always, we have 60 seconds on the clock. Would oh, you like would you like to get going on the plot of Don't Think Twice? Yeah, tell me when, Tim. Three, two, one, and you're off. Uh, there's this little independent uh, improv theater. It's like, I don't know, six people, and their theater is failing. They're running out of money. <clears throat> but one of their troop members books like the biggest you know thing in comedy for for like improvisers which is it's basically just saturday night live and there's a lot of infighting because everybody has huge egos and they all want to be on the show but they all shit talk the show and i don't know it's just it's a mess but at the end we we realize we're all good friends and time with 21 seconds left to spare you did it jameson you're getting better at this each episode yeah, it, it it does depend on the movie sometimes. Like I, uh, we invented this because of Face Off, which had such a thick plot that we yeah. got maybe an inch deep into, and people just had no idea what we were talking about the nope. entire episode. Nope. And uh, we the, also do it this, for the sake of brevity. We also yeah. needed to cut down our times uh, talking for two hours about the Joker. Was... <laughs> yep. <laughs> beat by beat. <laughs> Beat by beat was what we in the biz call a big oof. <laughs> yeah. It was an but epic this, this Reddit is, moment. It was. This this episode relates to, to the Joker one because that one was about stand-up. This one is about improv. Yeah. Um, 
which so so it's we're talking about how closely we relate to all these characters we should we should give the rundown of of like all the characters in this movie sure yeah let me pull up the let me pull up the cast list first up i'll 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 do uh we'll shout out chris gethard Oh, Chris Gethard, the fr- friend of the friend of the Sean Cassidy fan club, friend of a friend of the pod, <laughs> uh, Dominic Altamura would appear on his live streams every so often, but he hasn't really done them in a while. So, uh, no, I, I yearn for it times. every day. Yeah. So if if you know anything about Chris Gethard, Chris Gethard plays himself in this movie. Yeah. And uh, not literally, but it it's really everybody kind of plays just a sadder version of themselves. Yeah, I mean, Chris Gethard definitely had the experience of uh, Mike Birbiglia's character, Miles, in, mm-hmm. in the movie, because um, I, cause I, 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 I got turned on to Chris Gethard, actually, when I saw him open live for Birbiglia um, at, the, uh, at a th- uh, Purchase, Purchase University or Purchase College, which I, I, don't, know, I don't know if it's college or university, uh, but SUNY Purchase. Uh, which is a big mm-hmm. performing arts college in uh, Westchester, and uh, Gethard opened, and it was so fucking good. And like, I delved deep into like a lot of Chris Gethard interviews, and like, he was a teacher for about ten years, and all of his students would just shoot up, and he taught at UCB. And um, so uh, when he was doing press for the movie, he was like, "Yeah, this movie's pretty accurate, and it hurts." <laughs> yeah, uh, this movie also this came it came out in two thousand sixteen, I think. And it like yeah. foreshadows the the foreclosure of the UCB New York. Yeah, it does very um, very poetically, might I add. Yeah, I haven't seen this in a while, and I definitely haven't seen it since. You know, was it was it uh, UCB Chelsea? Yeah, uh, UCB Chelsea and uh, Hell's Kitchen. <laughs> they uh, I think uh, they just shut down all the theaters in Manhattan after the pandemic. Yeah. But like a huge blow because that was really where, where it kind of started for the UCB with Amy Poehler and Matt Besser and Ian Ian Roberts and all yeah. those people, and so it's it's a huge bummer. But according to like you know Chris Gethard or Will Hines or or these people that were there, it's all, it's like half all oh, that's sad and half good riddance. So yeah, take the yeah. take that what you will. So uh, the characters in this movie, we have Keegan-Michael Key as Jack. Um, Jack is kind of, uh, I would say he is, I, I don't even want to like, it's hard to group them all. Like, he's definitely the most, um, he's the jock, I guess, of the improv troupe. He's sure. the popular kid. Mm-hmm. Um, he does a bunch of impressions that kill. Yeah. Um, and he's... He's selfish, which is not a great thing. Yeah, for being an improviser, but he, you know, he's funny. So absolutely, yeah, and it's selfish, and it that's exemplified in the scene where the kind of the the casting scouts for uh, uh, Weekend Live, which is the SNL type show, go to one of their shows, go to the troop shows, and they said he turns into a one man audition reel. Yeah. So this scene or or this movie does improv so well. The first time I saw it, yeah. I needed to know. I was like, did they actually improvise the improvise these scenes? Mhm. Because they did. They, they, they did. They went through a lot so of training. Naturally. 
Yeah. They, they're so, they just seem like improv for, for, for better or worse, you know? Yeah. Um, and there's just all these little things that, that I just love. Like, um, uh, there's a thing about like uh, acting and improv where you kind of half pretend to, to, you know, give off real emotions, but you're, you're like kind of smiling through everything. And yeah. there's this one improv scene they do where Jack Mercer, who is played by Keegan-Michael Key, like makes it on weekend live and so he doesn't really come to their shows as often anymore he like kind of stops showing up and their audience is super bummed because he's famous now and so it's like oh let's go see this improv troupe that has this famous uh mm-hmm. you know snl comedian on it but he's not there because he's working at snl and the audience is kind of heckling them about it and they do a scene where he's dead and they're talking about they're they're kind of half shit talking him. A lot of the scenes that they do are like very passive aggressive. Yeah. And and there's this one joke where they they open up the casket and his body's not there because he's at a different his body's at a different funeral for his famous friends <laughs> or it's in heaven or something. And and Chris Gethard goes, "Oh, it's just his headshot in here." And they do a <laughs> shot of of Michael Burbigla, he like looks at at Chris and he just like gives him the smile. And that's just something I like relate to so hard. Yeah. Just like when someone does something good or like they, you, yeah. you know, you just love to see it. Yeah. Not to get all college improv kid on you guys, but like when someone in your scene makes a, such a brilliant fucking joke, like you just, you just turn your head and you just smile at them because it is such, it is the best moment. Like, like even if you're not telling the joke, it is the best fucking moment when someone in your scene just goes like, just says the perfect thing at the perfect time and the crowd receives it perfectly. Yeah. Because uh, like, and people might hate this show because we're just going to talk about improv the whole time. (laughs) And we'll we'll see how much this is the most, this is the, uh, this is the most self-indulgent episode. (laughs) Absolutely. It's going to be such inside baseball. Um, but like improv it shouldn't work because you don't know what is going to happen, but like a thing will happen where you set up all these different things. And yeah. then sometimes the dominoes just fall into place. Uh, for example, this might be a little bit early to be like relating to, uh, to our own stuff, but uh, Tim and I just did improv together last night. Mm-hmm. Uh, at this alumni yeah, show, go for it, Cassie. Yeah, and we did a scene that was about these cows that were planning to take over the farm. That they, it was like a, a you know, yeah. an analogy for for communism. There's some book about it, uh, but we we basically did like a comedy scene off of that. And these cows were trying to plan how they're going to overthrow the farmer. And Zach Hill set up that he was very against cow tipping. And uh, (laughs) at some point I was trying to give us all things to do to get, you know, training for, for this, you know, siege or whatever we were going to do. And I asked Kyle Sherry, uh, host of the Falcon Tragedy podcast, if he could learn how to stand on two legs because we're cows. (laughs) And I thought it would be advantageous if cows could run around on, on two legs. And like attack people. And so Kyle Sherry goes and he start he stands on his two legs, but he can't get back down. And so then I go, Zach, I know 
I know that you're so against this, but you have to tip Kyle Sherry. You have to cow tip him <laughs> so he get back on his four legs. And it's stuff like that that that's uh, it feels good. Yeah. That's like yeah. when it works um, rather than when it's yeah. you're just like flailing. It, it's it. Oh oh my god! And when and when you flail and when you flop, buddy, you bomb hard. Yeah. It hurts. It fucking hurts. Um, so another character we have in the movie is uh, Miles, played by the writer and director of the movie, Mike Birbiglia. Miles is the uh, teacher of the... Uh, or he He's kind of like the, the coach slash captain of the troop, non-designated, yeah, he, I he, guess, because he was a... He's an improv teacher, sleeps with his students, not a great guy. Always talks mm-hmm. about he, how he was that close to landing Weekend Live. Inches away. And he, he Inches like founded away. It. He founded the group, and then people keep coming, and then being super successful, and then leaving. And then, you know, he's bragging about like, oh, well, I taught that guy everything he knows. And it's a little bit of like, yeah. did you teach these people how to do everything, or were they just like funny to begin with? Yeah. Or are you just a dick? Yes. <laughs> Which is and a lot of what it comes down to with the character of Miles. Yeah. Uh, next we have Gillian. Is it Gillian Jacobs or Gillian Jacobs? I think it's it's Gillian Jacobs. Gillian Jacobs who plays Samantha. And uh, Samantha is married to Jack. Um, I relate to Samantha a lot and we'll get into, uh, we'll get into that a little later in the show. Uh, you know, she gets uh, an audition for a weekend live and then she has inner turmoil. But... I relate to her struggles a lot. Uh, and then we have Kate McCucci playing Allison, Tammy Sager as Lindsay, who are, uh, uh, who are also in the troupe. And, you know, th- they're more side characters. I like, it feels weird saying that, but cause they are great in this movie. I would, I would say they still have like layers to them that are interesting. Like, uh, oh, Allison. That, that, that's why I felt weird saying like they're yeah. side characters because like, all these characters are so they they all these characters capture a different ess, essence of person in improv, mm-hmm. um, for better or for worse. Um, and I would say Lindsay is almost intentionally sidelined because at the end of the movie, when she gets the writing job for Weekend Live, yeah. it's kind of like out of nowhere. You're like, you got you got a writing job for Weekend Live. Yeah, because then the movie doesn't really pay attention to her, and so that's a big reveal. Yeah, because we get a couple scenes of uh, some of the uh, characters working on writing packets mm-hmm. for uh, Weekend Live, and none of them work with Miles. No, no, they don't. Yeah, like you see some people team up, and uh, but they just don't. They don't don't like our boy Miles, but for good reason too. <laughs> Yeah, it's tough because you you kind of wonder if if it's almost like Miles is just there because he's the founder, and it's like how could you possibly kick Miles out of the commune when he exactly. founded the commune? Yeah. What uh, Jameson? What scene in this movie like hit you particularly hard? What hit? What has been hitting me hard really lately is. Um, just talking so much shit about SNL and then wanting 
And then just yeah. like, uh, like recently with, I don't know, like, I don't mind that SNL is political, but it it's kind of seems like every, like absolutely every skit that SNL does that's political is, is like very similar in all the same jokes. Yeah. yeah it, and it's, then, it's very turned to camera and wink. Yeah. And as there, especially there are like these three sketches in particular that are about like gaming and youth culture that are just are so it, off yeah. base. Yeah. And you know, so that's like cringy. And yeah. you know, th- th- I could go on for forever about all yeah. the, you know, my problems with SNL, but I still <laughs> watch it every weekend. Every weekend and, and I'm subscribed to the YouTube channel and it's still a fucking dream to be yes, on the show. Dude, I literally a few weeks ago, I literally had a dream that I got to be on SNL. I've had that dream. And it was before. the weir- it was the weirdest dream because I don't know what I was doing, but I like got a call from someone that worked on the show and they were like, Lauren, Lauren wants you, but you have to swim out into the middle of the ocean and board this because because of coronavirus, the way that they <laughs> made their bubble was that they were on like an <laughs> aircraft carrier in the middle of the ocean. And that was how they were keeping everybody quarantined. So I had to swim into the middle of the ocean, That's get awesome. on this aircraft. Yeah. And then inside the aircraft carrier was was a a one to one recreation of Madison Square Garden because the cold <laughs> open was not even was like about a Knicks game or something. And all I had to do was like I was yeah. being pushed around by all the the um the makeup artists and the costumers and the prop people and all that stuff. And like I think all I had to do was like stand in the in the back of the scene holding it was a chicken wing pizza and that was all i did and then after that happened in my dream i called my dad i called my grandpa and i was like you won't believe what just happened i've made it big (laughs) dude i've had i've had a similar dream where like like it where literally it was almost it was like the it felt like the setup to like a high school musical production like you, you know when you're doing like dress rehearsal and all your book bags and your duffel bags are like out in like the house because it's mm-hmm. it's it's fucking you know a tuesday and you have all your bags and shit with you um and there's no like backstage area at least in my high school there was no backstage area able to be set up until the day of the show but like i remember like in the stream we all had like our book bags and our duffel bags and all that shit and all of a sudden it was time I heard my name on the like in the intro. I did my sketches, and then at the end of the, I at the end of the fucking dream, I take my parents down the elevator shaft. We walk out, and we just have this moment of like, holy shit, that just happened. Uh huh. And I woke up in my twin sized bed <laughs> and felt terrible. <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude. It's so interesting. Like, objectively, that's a good dream. Objectively, that is a good dream. But I woke up feeling awful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, SNL is like, it's it's like a myth. I don't yeah. know. It's weird. It's like yeah, you it, hear of people getting there and, and doing it. And, and then it's just like inside Rockefeller is such a mystery of like what actually happens yeah. in a week. Even though it's 
been documented. Yeah, I, I remember um, I went to 30 Rock on a school trip. You know, no, I didn't go on a tour. I didn't go see a show until probably a good year later. I, I, I was my first time seeing a, a taping of uh, Late Nights with Seth Meyers. But a year before that, it was junior high school, and I walked into 30 Rock, um, and, and I, for real, like, I just stood there. I just stood there and like to like holy shit the amount of history of in not only comedy but television in general and radio is huge. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's that that building is like the fucking birthplace of so many comedy icons that like you walk into it and you can just feel like that energy. Yeah, and I think that's a great segue to talking about Gillian's uh, character, Samantha. Oh, oh my God. And there's, uh, you said you related to the scene or to the scenes of where, where they bash SNL. I relate to the scene where she gets the audition and she doesn't go. Yeah. So how, why is that? Be- because I feel like there's, so- all right, all right, folks, we you, we you. Uh, it's about to it's about to get uh, uh vulnerable all all up in this piece. Um, I don't know because I feel like I I feel like there are times where, especially when it comes to comedy, it's there. There's this aura of self sabotage, especially where I live, because I live. I mean, obviously, I can't do stand up or a lot of stand up right now. Because that would require me taking public transportation into the city, spending a lot of time around people who I don't trust, uh, mm-hmm. quarantining, and maybe I'm doing the exact same thing that I'm about to talk about right now and making excuses uh, about not going. But before the pandemic, I wouldn't go to open mics because my thought was I don't have anything prepared. Mm-hmm. I don't. I. I I was like, oh, I'm not ready. I have, I want to work. I want to write this joke out a little bit more. But but the reality of it was, is that I was scared of failure. I was scared of failure. And I was scared that the experience wouldn't be what I had dreamt up in my head. And mm-hmm. then after a while, uh, me, Nick Nicosia, uh, who's been a guest on Rabbit Hole and Fail Son, um, and her friend Sammy, uh, we went to a local club in Suffern, uh, Rhino Comedy, which is a great, great and supportive club. And I got up on stage, did pretty okay. And then from that moment on, it's just every Friday I was going to the 1030 mic. But at the same token, I was like, oh, I'm doing that on Friday. That's, that's my night. That's my night to do comedy. I, I worked in Manhattan. I could have gone any night. Mm-hmm. But I didn't. Because I was scared. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. The, the comedy is such a, like a vulnerable thing. Because especially with stand-up and a bit with improv, is it like stand-up is you're kind of made to be like, this is, you know, people kind of want you to talk about your life or at least that's that's what i think of like yeah. with improv is like this just happened to me 
Why don't yeah. I tell you a little bit and why I think it's funny? And then improv is like, you are seeing my brain like on the floor. Yes. You are seeing and, all pistons firing. Yes. And so it's like, if you, if you don't like, if it, like, if you don't think I'm funny doing improv or whatever, you think it's like, I don't know, whatever it is like yeah. at the most basic level, like you're not going to like me. That, that is exactly how I feel. It, it, it feels like when you're in front of a crowd and you are doing stand-up or doing improv, which for me, that is when I am at my most, like, that's, that's when I'm at my most creative, especially when doing improv, because you have to exist in that moment and you have to be able to be two steps ahead of where you are now, but not lose track of where you are now when you still have to lead the scene. You you have to be so creatively energetic that it's like the best form of like exercise for your brain. It's fucking fan- fantastic. And yeah, there's no there's no time for writer's block. Exactly. And and it, it's it's creativity I think at its purest whether it be uh, improv or when you're on uh, doing stand-up, like trying to work out a joke. And it feels like when a crowd doesn't laugh, it is an outright rejection of you and your experiences and your viewpoint. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, but when, when, when the audience connects, oh it's like... God. Nothing better. So the, it, there's it's such a ridiculous risk-reward... Yeah. That is just way out of whack. <laughs> There's no middle ground. I mean, there probably is, but it doesn't feel like it. Yeah, it, it is. Like. When, when a crowd agrees with you, not only like, oh, like they laughed at the joke, but they related to the point you were trying to make. Like I have I have jokes about um, like breakups and and death in my and suicide in my joke in 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 my set and when a crowd gets it that is it's the most gratifying feeling and it is the approval that we all yearn for Mm -hmm. and i'll bring this again into you know recent times is uh that is so the experience is not the same right now because every no. weekend uh, I do improv on Twitch and the, yeah. I can't hear the audience. Uh, and, you know, the audience is just in like a chat bar and it's just, it's very different and it's very weird. Yeah. So the, it, it is. Yeah. It's like uh, the, it's gone from. I don't know, because the only people that I'm really able to make laugh right now are the other people in the troupe, because they're the only people with, you know, microphones. So I've, yeah. it's been a lot more of me trying to make my troupe laugh, which, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. But it's weird, because it's almost like the shows feel almost the same as 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 practice. Like, there's not this, the energy doesn't feel the same. Like, I remember, yeah. you know, being in the hot box. Or, or you know, a half hour before the show was about to begin, and like that, like feeling in my gut of like you know getting ready to go out. This I might cut this out because this is very weird. But before every single in person live show, 
I would have to I would have to wipe my ass. I don't know why. It didn't matter what if I had eaten in like five hours. My, my no. ass just yeah. always got fucking sweaty. Dude, I feel <laughs> yeah. No, I feel that. And so before every show, I would go to the bathroom, I would wipe my ass so that I would be comfortable during the show. Yep. I dude. I, I think we all kind of have those pre show ticks. Like uh like I remember when I did uh Sean Cass. Uh my tick was that I needed to go to the bathroom, but then I needed to check myself in the mirror to make sure I didn't have piss or shit on me. Oh yeah, that's that's a good idea. You don't want to I needed like I needed to look. I tr- dude, I turned around and like contorted my body so that I could see my butt and make sure that I didn't have shit on me. Did that ever happen? Was there no, like a, of course a not, story I, to that? No. No, like it never happened. It's just one of these irrational th- fears I have where it's like, "Oh, people can see I pooped." <laughs> they know. Yeah, they know and they're going to see my poop and they're going to think Tim's gross. But yeah, I think it's funny because that that is a thing. Even when I, you know, was in a band and played music, like I, I still had those things that was like to be ready for a show. Mm-hmm. I needed to do certain things to be at my most comfortable. Yeah. So like I had to do whatever, like, you know, stretches and exercises. And uh, I, I didn't want to eat too close to the show. I, I didn't want to yeah. use the bathroom too close to the show. Like all these things that could just throw me off. Yeah, I, 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 it was only until probably junior year that I actually ate before shows. Wow, yeah. Because the nerves and dining hall food or fast food, what I, what I was primarily eating in college, would fuck up my stomach to such a degree that before mm-hmm. shows I would have this intense pain in my stomach. Yeah, and, and then it's really, like, I've done... I've done improv when you have like those other factors in your mind. And it, it's like the, yeah. the movie, the movie is called don't think twice because one of the rules of improv is don't think. And when you're like, yeah, stomach is uncomfortable. It's all you can think about. And oh then, and God, then, it, yeah. you know, you're trying to do a scene on top of that. And if it's like, this is going terrible. This is the audience. Dude, the audience knows something is wrong. They don't know that. I feel like I'm going to shit myself, but that's what's going on. <laughs> And I'm just trying to get this scene over fast enough so I can leave and go to the bathroom. Exactly. There was one show. It was one of the uh, Relay for Life shows. It was about 1.45 in the morning. And for for those of you who don't know, uh, the Relay for Life is like this uh, all-night walk-a-thon type deal for college, uh, on college campuses. And they raise money for uh, uh, cancer uh, cancer research and... uh, health developments and all that good stuff. Um, and our college asked us to perform, uh, per- asks, asks us to perform every year at the Relay for Life. And we do four shows, give or take. Uh, sometimes it changes due to how long the night runs. But the this year in particular, we did a show at 8, a show at 11, another one at uh, 1, and another one at 3. So there's about four shows. And we did it in the basement of the athletic facility where uh, it smelled like feet because we were in the basement of an athletic facility. Um, And the bathroom was in a locker room. And I had to run out of, like, this room where I guess the primary purpose of it was they would, uh, like, watch film 
from games there. In between sketches, uh, or in between a house party. So after I got my character, Jameson, I ran to the bathroom, took the fastest shit of my life, (laughs) and then got back just in time for me to go on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Felt great. There's been, I remember a lot of memories of like, when we're doing uh, attendance, like in the hot box, like making sure everybody's there so that we can mm-hmm. go over the show. This is like maybe yeah. a couple minutes before we go out. And there's always like, they'll say like, uh, Carl or Connor or whoever. And mm-hmm. there's like, oh, I'm, I think they're in the bathroom right now. And you're like, shit. <laughs> shit. <laughs> and then, you know, you're going to start at 805 because fucking <laughs> yeah, yeah, this yeah. person is taking a massive dookie. Um, what is the... So I guess we're pretty much well into the our experiences portion of the show. Yeah, our experiences are basically the movie. I mean, not really, yeah. but I don't know. The, the, but there the, are the things there I'll are, say. I'm sorry. Yeah, you can go ahead. But like, our experiences really are the movie. Like, um, like the, the, there's a plot point in the movie where uh, Chris Gethard's dad is sick and they have to go like like they they go visit him and like death is like a big part of like the latter half of the movie and there have been moments where like uh, like fucking junior year on a saturday my uh my mom called me and was like she was like hey just to let you know today's the day we have to put the dog down and like I was obviously fucking not feeling great, uh, especially yeah. because I went to Wendy's uh, for lunch that afternoon, uh, and those motherfuckers gave me uh, sweet and spicy sauce instead of creamy sriracha. So, Uh-oh. you know, cherry on top on a bad day. Um, but, like, it was one of those things where doing improv was very therapeutic mm-hmm. because outside of that room, like, inside that room, nothing else mattered. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a it's a moment where you can you you have to like clear your thoughts and yeah, just be like okay, I'm a dog or I'm a maybe that's inappropriate for yeah, that particular yeah. story, but you're like oh, I'm a clown and <laughs> I all my all of my bits are dangerous and you know what like whatever it is, I'm a lawyer who's on fire, like what your day was, yeah, yeah. But it, it's weird because some of that stuff leaks into the sketches mm-hmm. because of course it is because it's going to be on your mind and that's going to be your way of coping with it. Yeah, I have a, I have a pretty funny story about that. Fuck um, yeah, let's hear it. A few weeks ago, we were doing, let's see, God, the, we were playing Step Left, which is this mm-hmm. game where there's four people but only two people do a scene at a time and you like rotate. And every time you rotate, there's a different scene. And one of the, uh, one of the scenes, the suggestion was Jameson and his mom, (laughs) because, because our audience likes doing inside jokes and, and whatever. Yeah. Cause we have a very close knit audience. (laughs) Yeah. We have a, I'll I'll just say it. We have a small audience. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's a very um, nice just polite way of saying we have a polite that's a polite way of saying our audience is like a dozen people yeah especially during twitch like the <laughs> online stuff and so one of the things with jameson and his mom but i was not in that i was played by other people 
And then one of the other suggestions was like Hooters as like a location. And so mm-hmm. the Jameson and his mom scene happened and then rotated into the Hooter scene that I was in. And the person that played my mom in that last scene was, uh, decided to still play my mom, but they, she was now working for Hooters. Which is funny because now I have to play against someone who's pretending to be my mom. <laughs> yeah. That, 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 whatever. It was yeah. funny. Uh, and then at the end of the scene, because you rotate a couple times. So when we came back to it, uh, um, the n- n- new conflict, other than just me being uncomfortable that my mom was my, ser- my server at Hooters, was that... My mom was trying to get me to apply to work at Hooters with her and my dad. And um, the person person that was playing my mom did not know that in, you know, the the past couple of months, my parents got divorced. (laughs) And so and so this this was a fantastic moment because I, I got it was like I described it to someone like like seeing a dartboard and the dartboard was just one big bullseye. Like there was no way that I could mess this up. Yeah. And, and so I was like, I was like, wow. Um, it's, it was, I, God, I wish I remember why I said, but I was like, I thought that was a really weird move that you, that you and dad started working together after getting divorced or something. And they just, they oh just, they crumbled. They they could they could not handle it. That my scene partner. They were yeah. laughing so hard. Yeah. God, it, it was it was fantastic. So it was another like one of those where you know maybe a thing that yeah would usually not be super funny is 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 funny just because of the you know the I, mood. I love those. I love those moments where kind of reality and the scene blend together in this poetic way. Like mm-hmm. where you're able to say shit like that. Um, there was one time my uh, I was hosting um, two line two line vocab, and the the premise of that game is that one person is allowed to say anything they want, and they're the one who kind of for progresses the scene forward. And two people can only say uh, two lines chosen by the audience. Each person gets two lines. Uh, and the conflict for that scene was that uh, they wanted to fuck my dad. Mm-hmm. Lo and behold, uh, they didn't know this, and I didn't know this until they got. They said that was that my dad was in town, and oh. he want and he so and he surprised me at the show. Oh no! So and I didn't realize he was there until I heard they want to fuck Tim's dad. I went. Got it. Looked up and saw his silhouette, and immediately went. All right, we're just gonna, we're just gonna, we're gonna grip it and rip it. Commit to the bit. Yes, and and for fi- for Jay, I sh- for five minutes, I talked about how two of my closest friends were fucking my dad. You gotta love that. It's beautiful. Yeah. No. It really there, is something else. The funny thing about improv is that there, there is, there isn't a fourth wall. You know, like the audience is actively encouraged to to talk to you because they're yeah. giving suggestions, which can be great if you have a great audience. But it can also suck because it can be you know, very bad. You have assholes. And <laughs> um, for example, 
at the show that Tim and I did last night, uh, we had this guy on, on in our Twitch chat called Mr. Improv. Mr. fucking Improv. Mr. Improv, who was a, a big, a big asshole at our show. Um, and it's this is one of the things that only happens over Twitch, doing this online, is because they were just constantly in the middle of our scenes, just just typing down whatever we were doing and going, whoa. Whoa. Like, we did one scene, um, Scared Straight, where there's a kid, and he it's he's in a Scared Straight program, and there's all these criminals, and they do weird crimes, and they progressively get more and more serious. Uh-oh, here on... I go, doing weird crimes again. <laughs> yeah. And so... Um, and so the suggestion that we got for the first one was something about the bathroom. So all the crimes ended up being about, about the bathroom because that's how the game works. And every time someone was like, well, I don't wash my hands after I poo in, in the, in the comments, Mr. Improv would go, ew, all caps, ew, they don't wash their hands, five exclamation marks. It's like, of course it's going to sound stupid if you just say it. Yeah, every anything you say from an improv show is going to sound really dumb. Yes, if you just write it out, if you just write out whatever's happening in an improv yeah. scene. Dude, there was one time I I uh there was I was doing a scene where I was stuck in a uh, walk-in refrigerator and I out loud yelled baby want uppies. <laughs> it's all going to sound dumb written out. Yeah, but you're it's it's not meant to be preserved. No, and that's and that's one of the things they touch on in the movie in Don't Think Twice is that this comedy exists in this moment in this space for the people in the room. Nowhere else. Nowhere else, unless it's Middle Ditch and Schwartz, which was a fucking beautiful three hour, uh, three hours of improv. Yeah, I love that. But yeah, so like you like you were saying, um, Keegan Michael Key is is writing for Weekend Live now. And he can't think of anything. They don't have anything that's going to stick. And so he adapts one of his improv scenes. I don't even think it was a scene that he was in. I don't think he's I, in that scene. I don't, I can't, I can't because remember. Because there's I, I think Al, might be Allison right. and, and uh, Chris Gethard are yeah. in, they're, they're the orphans. And then Gillian Jacob is, yeah. is selling or buying? And then I think maybe, maybe she maybe she's buying and Jack is the realtor. I know that's yeah, how it was in the right. weekend update sketch. But but anyways, he he you know makes their this improv scene a skit on Weekend Live, and his whole improv troupe is pissed because basically the the whole the whole problem with the you know everything about Jack getting it is that. He's acting like, or they perceive that he's acting like he's better than everyone. And so right. when, when he puts that skit in, in Weekend Live, it's like, that's us. Like, we should just be doing this. Yeah. You know, like, you're not better than us. This is literally a scene that we did. Yeah, I, um, yeah, and like, I, I, I've, ne- obviously, I've never had a sketch go on Saturday Night Live. But I've, yeah. like, had characters where, like, outside of the context of improv, they would work very well as characters on a sketch show. 
like me and uh, me and the former VP or f- f- excuse me, former president of uh, Sean Cass Rihanna. Uh, we did a car- uh, We did a sketch where we were two, and and this was just from like a uh, uh, a two to one game that we had to come up with, and we were like these maniacal like British like um, tailors. And after that, I was like, that would work really well just, like, as a sketch, like, as characters. And she graduated, and the moment for that was gone. Mm -hmm. Because it would have been me and her, and that's it. And I've thought about writing sketches, but each time I'm like, it just feels weird. Because that sketch was in that moment. Because it's like, you know, both of your brainchilds. You know, it's, it's, when you're doing an improv scene, it's like, I don't it's such a weird mishmash of like, all oh, right, who came up with what it's like, it's yeah. like, you know, the Beatles writing a, a song, except it's not as good because it's improv comedy. Um, but th- when it's like, <laughs> it's like who owns this song? Like no one owns this song. Right. We all came up with it. What, what's funny though, is I do hear stories of SNL writers calling old friends and being like, do you remember that joke we made that one night at 3 a.m.? Have you done anything with it? And if not, can I use it mm-hmm. for the show? Because they are that because instances like that do happen on SNL, and it's the same situation. Where, but if you're a normal person, you call the person, you call your collaborator from the past, and be like, "Listen, I need something for this week. Can I use it?" Mm-hmm. Obviously, mm-hmm. in this movie, they take the 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 extremes of the worst, and. Um, Jack does the the not great thing. Yeah, they just they're watching Weekend Live, and then a scene that they, they see their sketch just happens. They're yeah. like, "What the fuck?" And then and then Mike Berbiglia goes to the after party and punches him in the face. Yeah, and, and and you know like there are definitely moments like that, or I've had moments like that where I do something in practice and. Cause like we, cause we practice these games, so we're familiar with how to play them, and we're able to think quicker on our feet. And uh, there was one time we were doing like a lineup game, where you just do one liners, and we the the topic was like Halloween or something, and I did something in practice on a Sunday, and because Halloween was coming up, Thanksgiving was uh, uh coming up, there was like this hive mind where everybody just kind of agreed that the theme would be fall and the, the the same suggestion that one of us shouted out in practice on a whim was also shouted out during a show and one of the other castmates went out and said the joke that i had told from six days prior and like mm. i just sat there i was like yeah it killed but that's not your fucking joke yeah and like, like I do relate to Jack, where it's like you want to punch that person in the fucking face, but you can't because you're a dignified human who has to just kind of deal with it. Violence is not the answer, dude. There was another instance, and like, this was definitely like the like a prime example of just having to sit on it. There was a there was a joke I told freshman year, and uh, one of my friends, like, I don't know if like. I, I, I'm not. I'm not gonna say like he stole it or some shit, but like there was a because there was a, a good amount of time in between when I had first told it and like when he had told it, and I was like, you know what? 
the joke went fine. I'm not really going to like press about it because I have more things to worry about on this day uh, than a, a stupid one-liner joke. Mm-hmm. And about two years later, that joke came up and at, like our friend was like, Oh yeah, like like I like I told that joke and I thought it was funny. And I just went, Yeah, except <laughs> except uh I had told that joke a little bit prior to that. And mm-hmm. like that was my joke. And he just went, You've been sitting on this for two fucking years and you're now telling me about it. I was like, Yeah. Yeah, I didn't want to bring it up. It just came up naturally, so I figured now's now's as good a time as any. Yeah, that's tough. That's that's always because it's not like I'm, I was like genuinely pissed i thought it was like hilarious that we didn't talk about it for two years but yeah but no that really that really sucks um i'm the the vice president of the club or whatever and so i help lead practice and that it that it's a thing that happens more often than you think it's even within the same game someone will go up and, and tell a joke and then someone will go up and tell the same, same joke like right joke. afterwards. It's like, hey guys, uh, <laughs> maybe listen to what people are doing. I once had to give a criticism, uh, a, a note, where someone went up and just repeated a popular meme. Yeah. And I went, I literally said, don't do that because that's someone else's joke. This is improv. Yeah. Though I I would say the only one of those that we let people get away with at all, and this is like not every time, like is is sometimes we'll, it's a case by case, huh? It's a case by case situation. Yeah, it's like if we get a suggestion like toaster, and then someone immediately goes toaster. toaster. I, I barely, barely know, know her. <laughs> yeah. And then and the it, audience groans, and then we all shit our pants. <laughs> yeah, that that I want. I want to say every other show, someone does that. It's like, hey, it, it, hey yeah. guys, uh, hey guys, maybe ease up on it. Yeah, it, it's comforting to know that the same notes that I gave for two years um, were, are still still, still being, being given. Made. It's comforting. It gives me <laughs> yeah. a sense of pride. It yeah, gives yeah, me a yeah. sense of balance. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and uh, I remember, because, like, we do have that position of Miles from the movie of having to teach people improv. Mm-hmm. Um, because a lot of folks show up, and Sean Cass is one of the rare improv groups where you can walk in, you train for about eight months, or a semester and a half, I think that equates to about eight months. Pretty sure. No, yeah, pretty uh, about yeah, it's about six to eight months, give or take. And then you can you're eligible for shows. Most most comedy troops, it's you know you audition in the fall, and if you don't get in, try again next year. Yeah. Um. So Sean Cass yeah. is really really rare in that regard. Um, I really love that about Sean Cass, though. Oh yeah, I I think it's one it's one of the things that adds to Sean Cass's uniqueness and just like overall sense like there's a really wide range of skills in the troupe um and for some people uh they come in uh without any prior improv 
or comedy or real performance experience. So having to teach somebody the fundamentals of not only performance, but also improv and thinking on your feet and joke structure, it is hard, but it's, it's great in that you, even though we're giving notes, like the group has no shame in just being like, oh, that wasn't good like to us and that 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 it's like i think we all comedians have that initial like oh like well you don't get it but like in the end it's very nice very good yeah people surprise you yeah people surprise like oh man like there was one day where uh guest on fail son claire cunningham showed up and we were doing uh we were doing um, uh, what is a typewriter. Typewriter. That's it. Um, and I was in the back watching, uh, doing lights, and she came on. This was like this might have been her first practice. Just fucking blew us all away, and mm-hmm. it feels so good. A, a similar thing to that is um, another friend of the show, Dominic Altamura. Oh, Dom. He, I don't think, I think in high school he did some performancey stuff, but it was like, you know, another, you know, people come to the practice and we're like, oh, we haven't seen you before. Uh, what's your name, major, whatever. And he's like, oh, I'm Dom. I'm a computer science major. They're like, okay. And then I don't, I don't remember. I don't have like the first thing. I guess it might've been a character game that was, <laughs> that was when, um, we were all like, oh shit, this guy, this Dom guy is really funny. He did a character yeah. game as like, it was like a Nick Cage impersonation. And <laughs> it's, he just says things. And you're like, I don't, yeah, I don't know how you put those words together. And I don't know what they mean, but they're very funny. <laughs> yeah. Also, let me clarify Claire had prior uh, improv experience, but it was like my first time, me- or she had a, uh, prior comedy and performance experience. Um, and I think, uh, I think uh, Dom had prior experience too, but when you first meet somebody and it's in this practice scenario where you're all, we're all trying to, even though improv is supposed to be a very non-competitive thing, it turns into a competitive thing mm-hmm. where you're all just trying to be the funniest in the room. And just seeing somebody just blow you away like that, it ma- it makes you feel real nice. Makes it like, it's one of the things that, Makes doing improv like worth it. Yeah. Just seeing your friends be funny. But um, but like I I had never before before um before Sean Kiss I had never acted or anything. I've mm. I was in a band and so I would I guess like, but I played the drum so I was in the back. <laughs> I never sang. I never did you know. So like I had been on a stage in front of people, but uh doing comedy and and telling jokes to people was a very new thing to me. Mm-hmm. And so uh it, it so like another like the uh first to to talk about competition <laughs> the first show that I was in like as a performer performing regular in the show uh was elimination. Oh, that's a tough and, one. And this game is most literally the who who is the funniest, like yeah. because 
we have okay so you do four scenes and after the first scene with four people the audience like by clap you know audience whatever they vote someone out yeah <laughs> and so every scene they go we did not like you in that scene uh we don't <laughs> want to see you in the next yeah. scene and so that was extremely nerve-wracking of like are people going to like me like i've you know yeah whatever and i made it to the final two the scene where it was just me and i want to say carl neff and that mm. was huge. And then we went to, we had an after party after the show. And, you know, I remember people coming up to me and we're like, weren't you the horse guy in that scene? Because I like played a horse and I carried David Hyde on my back, I think. Nice. Um, and they were like, oh, you were in elimination. You were really funny. And that was, you know, a lot of gratification. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's those moments outside of the shows where people are like, oh shit, you're in, like, like I've seen you do comedy on campus and like, it's pretty good. Yeah, You're like it's, oh it's shit! Like I, I think I talked about this prior on on the show when I, I was at a party and some girl was uh, uh, came up to me and was like, y- "You're the kid from Open Mic who who did the fight about getting in uh, getting in the fight with a squirrel." And I was like, "Yeah, that's me! Holy holy shit!" And mm-hmm. that was in within like two months of me starting to do stand up, and I was like, "This feels weird," because yeah. we're at a frat party. And I'm drunk off my fucking ass. <laughs> and most likely just as a hot dog. Most likely, honestly, I, you can't really rule it out. 50-50. 50-50 shot. But no, yeah, that was a weird thing. And I don't I don't even think I call my I wouldn't I don't know if I would call myself a comedian, but when me it's too. weird it was a weird thing when people would start asking me what I do, and I would one of my answer would be, Oh, I do comedy. That's that that is that is the exact phrasing that I use because I do comedy, but I don't call myself a comedian. Mm-hmm. I called myself a comedian more in college because I would do it more regularly. Now that I'm out of college, I don't do it as regularly. And do do I call myself a comedian? Like I see people on Vine who only do vines call themselves or not not that Vine is still a thing, but when Vine was a thing. I would see people call themselves comedians. I'd be like, you do fucking six second videos. Mm-hmm. What, what, but you're doing comedy is, is it, it's, it's, it's a hair splitting of uh, de- definition that is pretty intense. But also if you want to call yourself a comedian, it feels unearned. It does. Because I think of like, there, there's the, I don't know, the concept that comedians are only the most successful like yes. like fucking Jerry Seinfeld, or you know, uh, whoever else. And and I I say Jerry Seinfeld because if you ever watch comedians in cars getting coffee or whatever, Jerry Seinfeld is like the is like such a gatekeeper of like comedy yeah. is only these two things, and if yeah. you don't do these two things, you are not a comedian. Yeah, and, and that and that hurts because like, like. The, like I do open mics. I I've only done one ever show where I've been like on a bill, and mm-hmm. I did that three or four years ago. Mm-hmm. Like I do open mics, and I do stand up, and I do comedy. Am I a comedian? I don't know. That's for that's for other people to decide, not me. Yeah, no, it's weird. Like, like I like I call myself a writer, but I've never been paid for a writing job. Mm-hmm. 
Am I a writer? I don't know. Fuck it. You don't know. Yeah, f- yeah. literally throwing my hands to the sky and say, fuck it. I don't know. <laughs> That's all I can do at this point. I am if I if I say I am. Manifestation, yeah, I, Tim. Manifestation. The only thing I, I, I know I am is the uh, CEO of Antifa. That's all I know. That's all I know to be true. Fantastic. All right, so for this episode, uh, we're talking about improv. I thought it would only be appropriate if we did a short improv scene. Hope we'll see if it goes well or not. Uh, <laughs> improv, so it's it's yeah, really such a shit show. You never know. Yeah, uh, the word we're gonna use is chili because before the show, I made a bowl of chili, and Tim was was looking at it. Yep, I'm literally looking at it as we speak. I have my messages app open on my computer. And uh, the literally the first message I can see is a picture of Jameson's bowl of chili. It was good chili. So Jameson, are you ready for this? For this, see how it goes improv scene. <laughs> yeah, fuck it. All right, here we go. Uh, excuse me, waiter. Uh, yes, Monsieur. Uh, waiter, um, I have a, uh, uh, you know, I ordered the chili. And, is that a um, problem? No, I mean, it's delicious. Um, uh, there's only one problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, I found a hair in my chili. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. I was wondering. I, I was wondering if I could, you know, get a get a new bowl of chili. Can I see that hair? Uh, yeah. I mean, it's here. I'm, yeah, I put it down on my napkin, but here mm. you go. Okay, and let me put it up against your head. And sure. yes, I, I I do believe that you placed this hair in your chili. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You believe that I plate why why would I do that? Inmistakably in order to get your chili refunded for you. This is a, a con that constantly happens, putting people putting things in their food. It constantly happens? How how often how often do people Put chili, put hair in their chili here. It's not always hair. Sometimes it's toenails. Sometimes it's fake cockroaches. So, okay, hold on. People are putting fake cockroaches into the chili? People put used condoms into the chili. It's, it's wild things all the time. And they say, excuse me, sir, but I, I would like to get my chili refunded. There's a used condom in my chili. There's How many times a, has that happened? It happens... Maybe every time someone orders food. Every time somebody... Or- now. I, I, I'd actually like to speak to the chef. Okay. We, we cut to the kitchen. Hey, hey, hey. Watch this. I'm going to fucking put my old sock and, and <laughs> use it as a, as a cheesecloth. Oh, yeah. All those, all those customers won't suspect a goddamn thing. Hey, uh, what was what was your favorite thing that you, you we we got this leaderboard up of who can do who can do the wildest thing with the food? Yeah, my favorite thing was that I uh, I uh, opened up I opened up a uh, Philly cheesesteak. What I did was I added some seasoning, and that seasoning, boy oh boy, buddy oh pal, that shit was dangerous. Very nice, you know. Because so it's often, nuanced, it's, it's gross. Mwah. Chef's kiss. Yeah, use a little of uh, the cheese whiz. Cheese whiz reminds you know me of the I mean. one. 
Reminds me of the one time you you sit you sick freak. You were freaking a pervert. You're freaking a pervert, Chef hey, Andrew. Hey, whoa. I'm no pervert. I remember the one time you whizzed into the cheese. I'll never forget I it. I did do that. That does not make me a pervert. That makes me an artist. An artist? An artist who's a freaking a pervert, you sick Chef Andrew. Um, yes, gentlemen, we have a uh, angry customer. I would like to see what you uh, men are doing here in the ch in the kitchen. Well you, can't, well, you can't come back here. This is the kitchen. The kitchen is only for chefs. Is he I'm a sorry, chef? But I, I believe he's he is a one of uh, are those men from uh, a, a critic from the newspaper. Uh, what newspaper? Uh, Food Times. Holy shit! He's from the Food Times. Holy shit. Oh, Chef Andrew? Yeah, we, uh, what's the problem? Chef Andrew, we got a big problem here. What's the Food Times? I've never heard of the Food Times. The, sh the Food Times is only the oldest, most notorious, most prestigious food critique website. Oh, God. We got to clean up the, the, the kitchen back here. It's... I can't tell if this if if this kitchen is is mostly a food kitchen or mostly a meth lab, the way we have yeah. it set up. Listen, listen. Don't ask questions about why there's Bunsen burners at the sous chef station. What I do in my spare time here is of no concern to you. Oh God, here it comes. Here he comes. Okay. okay. Uh, gentlemen, gentlemen. Uh, I have a. I would like to have a quick word with the head chef. Who is the head chef? Oh, that that would be me, sir. Yeah. Uh, and what is your name? Uh, my my name is John. Your name's John. This is John. Yes. Well, I'm looking at your uh. Well, I'm looking at your coat, and it says that you are the executive chef of this establishment. And uh-huh. uh, I've just been told that on numerous occasions, people have that that you that your staff has accused people of putting hair and used condoms and toenails into the food. Uh, okay, so here's the thing is that pe we, people don't understand that we are paving a new way for restaurants. Okay. And it, it's, it's, a, it's a sustainable way of eating um, that instead of using cows, which drink, you know, upwards of 300 gallons of water in a day, um, we we use our own our own hair and toenails as proteins. People don't understand that it's actually very very econ uh, economically safe. Interesting. Interesting. Well, why would you put used condoms into the food? Um, th that was actually so I, I believe someone mistaked a uh, an old uh, mayonnaise packet for, for a used condom. I don't believe that's what that was. You're saying that the lube didn't give it away? I'm saying that maybe maybe I had been um, messing with some, some, some dough, my hands got wet, and then I was trying to squeeze this mayonnaise cap, caps, uh, packet and my hands were real slippery and then oh, it, it fell into someone's chili. It happens all the time. And I'm not, I'm not proud of it, but you know, accidents happen.
that's my favorite podcast. Hey, is that the is that the show? I think that might be the show. That wasn't too bad. Not too bad, you know. Like you said earlier, doing doing improv over Google uh, over a video call, it's different. It's different. You can't. You you know. I'm sitting in a chair. I mean, <laughs> I I'm literally in UGG slippers. Just hanging out. It's a different energy. It is. But, uh, yeah, check out Don't Think Twice. It's a great movie. Yeah. Uh, I'll plug Sean Cassidy, the Sean Cassidy fan club. That's uh, the the improv troupe that we've been talking about this entire show from SUNY Oswego. The Instagram is FCSCFC Improv. And then the Twitter is the same. And they have shows every Saturday at eight. Then my own uh, my own Instagram and uh, Twitter and stuff is Jameson underscore Styles. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Timmy Brenner. And be sure to follow and subscribe to the show on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Uh, follow it, you know. Listen to the whole damn thing. Yeah, leave give us, us a review. Give us a rating. It all, leave a comment. It all help, it, leave a comment. It all helps the show. It helps out with that that damn algorithm. Yeah, we gotta. Yeah, we gotta get this algorithm on our side, folks. Gotta find this L guy. Give him a once over. Al- <laughs> give this guy a fucking piece of my mind. <laughs> fucking Al Gore ass looking. <laughs> Well, folks, thank you so much for listening. Join us again in two weeks when we have a new episode coming right at your ears. Yep, thanks for being with us.